Uptown, Peco Park, a new beginning. Let's go. Started back rocking the brown. Ever since we've been knocking them down. Baby said she wanna go to the game. Taught her how to say Padre gang. Started back rocking the brown. Ever since we've been knocking them down. Mitchell and Ness with the old school name. All of the homies holler Padre gang. Yeah, that. And good day, everybody. Welcome to episode 195 of the Talking Friars podcast and YouTube show. I'm your host, Ben Fadden, here today uh, with a special guest. Met her at the Major League Baseball Draft Combine, uh, and that is Alana Rizzo of MLB Network, co-host uh, with Christopher Russo for High Heat, uh, does some reporting as well for MLB Network, used to work uh, with the Dodgers. I know some Padres fans aren't the biggest fan, but hey, <laughs> I, I respect her. And love what she does for MLB Network. Alana, thank you so much for hopping on. Oh, it's my pleasure. Yeah, it's interesting to be on a Talking Friars uh, podcast, but good on you for having 194 episodes already. So happy to be with you, Ben. And uh, despite what some of your fan base may think, I do uh, enjoy the Padres. Yes, I spent seven years with the Dodgers, so my uh, affinity lies there, but I cover all 30 teams now. I appreciate that. Um, all right, before we get started, this episode is brought to you by Gaglione Bros, famous cheesesteaks and garlic fries. They're located inside Petco Park during the entire Padres season. Uh, you can visit their two locations as well outside Petco, uh, Mission Gorge and Point Loma. Visit gaglionebros.com to view their entire menu. Uh, great garlic fries and cheesesteaks. All right, getting here started with Alana. Let's start off with high heat. Um, you know, you come off, well, you kind of had a little bit of a gap between the Dodgers and then uh, MLB Network, but I just want to get your thoughts on how High Heat has started uh, for you and how you're enjoying uh, working with Christopher Russo. I've had him on my show, and uh, when he has a point, he likes sticking to it. Uh, and I guess my follow-up question uh, to the first question about how you're doing with High Heat and all that is – has there been some times where it's like, you know, you won an argument, but he's really sticking to what he's saying. <laughs> I mean, the one thing that makes Christopher great is his, uh, his conviction, his personality, um, his determination to prove a point home and high heat came about. I finished uh, working with the Dodgers at the end of the 2020 season after they won the world series. And, you know, my personal life took me back to the East coast. So I decided to leave the Dodgers, uh, even though it was a very, very difficult decision. Cause I had a wonderful time there and they treated me with nothing but class and respect, but it was time to make a move. So I decided to leave and I knew I wasn't going to be done. I just wasn't sure what was next. And MLB network, um, and I started talking again, and this is actually my second stint at MLB Network. I was there in 2012 and 13, and then went to the Dodgers for seven years, and then now I'm back uh, with MLB Network. So they talked to me about potentially being a co-host with Chris on his show. And, you know, at first I was like, oh, I'm not sure that's going to work. And I don't know how my personality, because I'm not much of a debater. I'm more of a, you know, I'm a reporter. I'm a host. So I either... Uh, set up traffic and kind of tee up our analysts or talk to players and, and try to humanize a player and get things out of them. So it's a, definitely a challenging and different role for me, but it's been one where I've, I've really enjoyed Chris and I um, love each other. We're great friends. Uh, he is as energetic and as, um, you know, eclectic as he comes across on the air. I mean, that is how he is all of the time. We went to dinner in Denver last year during the all-star game and that's how he is all the time. I mean, that's how he orders his his food. That's how he, you know, talks to everybody that he that's just his personality and it's genuine and he's, you know, very intelligent. And yeah, there's, you know, I, there's just I'm not going to sit there and 
um, yell back. It's just not my personality, but hopefully it's a good mix. Mm -hmm. All right. Now get into the MLB draft uh, combine. That's where we met and you were there the whole day. Uh, everyone was at MLB Network, but talking with players, uh, former players as well. What was your favorite part of that event? And were there was there like one big player that stood out for you? The whole event was really interesting. It's the first time I had ever covered a combine because it's only been the second year that they've actually had it. And even the growth from 2021 to 2022 has been exponential. So this was Harold Reynolds's baby. Uh, he really wanted to do this type of combine and have it televised and have more of a fan interaction and fan presence at the event. So San Diego did an amazing job. Petco did an amazing job hosting it. And um, it was just really cool to see all of the different, you know, physical assessment tests as well as performance assessment tests. And it's like everyone now, all these kids coming up, it's hard to even call them kids because they're built like freight trains. And they're just so there's so much more emphasis now on, on the body and weight training and everything that you do from diet and nutrition to working out and everything. So that was really interesting to see and all of the different, you know, the broad jump and obviously the, uh, the 60 yard dash and that type of stuff um, that they're doing um, was really uh, incredible. So that was a lot of fun to see. I mean, there's a lot of, a lot of players that, that stood out to me just, I guess more than anything, it was just the size uh, and the talent level already of these guys, not only at the college ranks, but certainly uh, coming up in high school as well. Mm -hmm. All right. Now getting to the big league level, obviously you work with the Dodgers um, and a lot of Padre fans, they think that the Padre Dodger thing, it's a rivalry. Some Dodger fans say, no, it's not a rivalry. Look at the record. And, you know, they've won the last like 14 to 16 matchups and all that. Uh, they had the world series in 2020. And, you know, Kershaw throughout the decades been dominating. I know it's it's been some of them were like Ryan Schimpf and Carlos Asuae. Others were Tatis and Manny. Um, what's your thoughts on this rivalry? Do you think it's a rivalry? Um, I personally think it is. I think that both teams, you know, they definitely get up for those games. Um, the Dodgers, yeah, they have the upper hand, obviously. That's if you're a Padre fan saying that they don't have the upper hand, you're lying to yourself. But what are your thoughts uh, on that? Well, I I don't think it's a rivalry, um, okay. only because I think in, in terms of having a rivalry, I think it needs to be pretty evenly balanced on both sides. If you take a look at the Giants and the Dodgers record over the course of time, even going back to when they were in New York, to when both of the teams moved to Northern California and Southern California, respectively, it's pretty even. Uh, I mean, I, I don't know the amount of games, um, but let's let's say they've played, you know, 4,400 times, let's just say, in the course of their franchises dating back to New York times. I mean, they're about 2,200 and 2,200. That's a rivalry. And, and some of the big games that have come down and, and you know, season-ending situations, which it was interesting last year is the first time the Dodgers and the, uh, the Giants had met up in a postseason series like that. But um, until the Padres can show that they can, you know, beat the Dodgers on an equal basis as the Dodgers beating the Padres. I don't think it's quite the rivalry yet. Now I will say this in the past five to six, five to 10 years, I think it's become more of it's, it's projecting and has more of a traction of becoming a rivalry. There's just not enough history 
in my opinion, between the two teams to really qualify it as a bona fide rivalry. I think in recent times, it's definitely been games that, that you know, you're kind of circling on the calendar. Both teams get up for it. Certainly the fan base has gotten up for it. But until Petco Park, which is one of my favorite parks in all of baseball, until Petco Park is full of Padres fans and it's not necessarily Dodgers, you know, Dodger Stadium South, that to me is not a rivalry. The Padres need to win more games against the Dodgers and there has to be more Padres fans in Petco than Dodgers fans. It can't even be split. It needs to be more dominant Padres fans. So it's it's getting better, but to me it's not quite the rivalry of, you know, the Giants, Dodgers, Yankees, Red Sox type of situation. Okay. Yeah. And what I what I'll say about the fans is I definitely agree with there being more Padre fans, but like my family has season tickets and I know a lot of other season ticket holders and yeah, we should be keeping our tickets for these Dodger games, but I definitely understand the viewpoint of some other season ticket holders where they sell them to Dodger fans, knowing that Dodger fans are going to buy them and they're going to get a lot of money back from those tickets more than they were from what they bought them for. And they don't want to be involved in, you know, those fights and all that stuff going on and bringing kids to the stadium and all that. So I totally understand what you're talking about there. There's also that other side of it. And Dodger fans are Dodger fans. Like there's Dodger fans in San Diego as well. So I don't know if it's going to get to that point where it's going to be like, I don't know, 85, 15 Padre Dodger fans. Like, I just don't know if that's, going to ever happen to be honest I mean, dodgers definitely travel well dodgers fans yeah. travel well and it is a, a very international following i mean not mm -hmm. only in san diego of course there's a lot of people that have migrated from la to san diego or vice versa or whatever they're two very uh desirable cities to live in and they're two very close cities together um but that being said take the fans out of it let's say they played in front of an empty stadium the Padres right. need to win just as many games against the Dodgers as the Dodgers have won against the Padres over a course of a certain period of time for me to acknowledge it as a true rivalry. I'm not saying these games don't matter. I'm not saying that it's not going to come down to maybe a couple of games uh, separating the two at the end of the season. Uh, you know, in, in recent times, it is definitely more of a matchup that people are paying attention to. I just don't consider it a rivalry by definition. That's fair. Yeah, definitely. Um, and you talk about it might get close, you know, at the end of the year, a couple games. What do you think is going to need to happen uh, on the Padres side of things for that to happen? You know, the Dodgers, they have a deeper lineup than the Padres. Uh, the starting or both starting rotations are really solid. It could come down to the bullpens. Uh, we saw this last series last weekend. The Padres offense was just not there the first like 35 innings of a 36 inning series. That can't happen. So what what do you what other additions do you think AJ Preller needs to make for that gap to kind of you know get closer? I think the biggest thing is who's going to win the trade deadline, right? Uh, I do think top to bottom the Dodgers um, probably have a bit more depth, but I also think one X factor, honestly, is that the Dodgers just have more playoff experience and postseason experience with the current guys on this roster. I love the Padres rotation. I love, obviously, what Joe Musgrove has done. I love what I've seen from the rookie and Mackenzie Gore. You know, obviously, Blake Snell has had his ups and downs and is not the Blake Snell that I remember from Tampa Bay, which honestly, had Blake Snell stayed in the game, I don't know if the Dodgers would have won that World Series. I think that was a, 
a big miscue on the part of Kevin Cash. I mean, we've, we've talked about that, obviously, at length. It's been two years yeah. now. Um, Joe Musgrove is in the conversation for the Cy Young. He's in the conversation, obviously, to potentially start the All-Star game. I don't think he will, but he's in that conversation. And Sean Manai has been impressive, and you, Darvish, and Mike Clevenger are there as well. I think it all comes down to who wins the trade deadline and, and obviously the bullpen. The bullpen is the one thing that if you ask any front office executive that the bullpen is the thing keeping people up at night. So how is Craig Kimbrell going to perform um, deep and in, deep into the season or into the postseason? You know, does what happens when, when Blake training gets back, is he going to be super healthy and, and be able to pick up where he left off? You know, Bruce Dahl Gratterall throws 150 miles an hour, but can he locate, you know, it, it kind of depends on, who in that bullpen can sustain? Are they going to have designated roles? And of course, then, as you're mentioning, uh, on, on the position side, if you look top to bottom, you know, I'm, you know, everybody says I'm biased, whatever, but look at it objectively. If you look top to bottom at the Dodgers bats, they're just, in my opinion, a deeper team than the Padres are. But the Padres are incredibly talented as well. And that's why I think it's so important to win the division so you don't have to worry about, you know, that three-game wild card thing and, and this, that, and the other thing. Now, Manny Machado is an MVP candidate. And you can't tell me there's anybody that wouldn't want Manny Machado on their team at third base. I mean, the guy is just he, – he posts every single day – He's putting up unbelievable numbers, and he's only 30 years old, I think. So he was born in 1992. In fact, his birthday was two days ago. So there you have yeah. it. Um, you know, when is Fernando Tatis getting back? Is he going to be healthy when he gets back? You know, you're doing all, they're doing all. So that's something we need to take, take into consideration as well. It's like the Padres are in this thing without Fernando Tatis, and, and that's, that's impressive, you know, to be able to, to do that. You've got a lot of key components on your IL right now. Will, My Will Myers, excuse me, is – is on the IL. Fernando Tatis is on the IL. You know, Matt Beatty, who was a former Dodger, obviously is on the IL. You got a number of relievers on the IL. Thankfully, right now, this uh, Padres starting rotation is healthy. So it comes down to what they do at the trade deadline, who's healthy, postseason experience. And not only that, I think the fourth thing maybe is who gets hot at the right time. It's one thing to be able to, I mean, the Yankees are going to win 115 games. Right. But it doesn't mean that they're going to win the World Series because you have to be hot at the right time. And I, I tell Yankees fans that I would rather the Yankees play decent, respectable baseball in July and August and then ramp back up again in September and October. Because you can't you can't play out of your mind for 162 games a year. It's just it's impossible to do that. So. Um, but it's fun that we can actually have this conversation. I like the fact that the Dodgers aren't running away with the division, you know, like they've done in so many years past. And, you know, I like the fact that the Giants, you know, wire to wire basically last year led the division and it came down to one game. And, and there you have it. And the Dodgers lose the division by one game. That's good. It's good for baseball. It's good to have parity and competition in baseball. Right. And Manny Machado, you already talked about him a little bit. Dodger fans love to boo him. Holy cow. I mean, they well, gave it to him. Padres were going to always wanted to be. It was always the place that he wanted to be. And also that the Padres were going to win a World Series before the Dodgers. So I love right. Manny. I love Manny. I, I, I love him. I love his family. But, you know, Manny brings a little bit on it himself. Be honest. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah they love to boo him, but he is in that MVP uh, race. How do you kind of put that? together if you had your mvp voting right now like 
Manny, Goldie. That feels yeah. like top two yeah. for well, me right now. Manny and Goldie and then Harper before he got hurt, right? Yeah. I think you look at you look at where the team would be without that player. Where would the Padres be without Manny Machado? I don't know that they would be where they are right now. You know, where would the Cardinals be without uh, Paul Goldschmidt? You know, uh, there are two and a half games out as we have this interview right now in the NL Central against the Brewers. Um, You know, are the Cardinals only two and a half games out without what Goldschmidt has done playing out of his mind this year? I'm not sure. And I love Nolan Arenado and I love some of the other pieces that the Cardinals have, but Goldschmidt is like playing at a caliber that I've not even seen him play at over the course of his career. Um, You know, you think about it, you take Mookie Betts out of the Dodgers lineup and you still can probably say that the Dodgers, in fact, I want to say Mookie, I want to say the Dodgers are 42 and 22 with him in the lineup and 11 and seven without him. So they still have a winning record with Mookie out of the lineup when he was on the IL. So um, you got to look at who is going to take your team to the promised land. That's why I have a really hard time choosing an MVP that's not on a winning team. You know what I mean? Um, where would that team be without said player? So Manny Machado's that guy. I think he's that guy for the Padres. I think Goldschmidt is that guy for the Cardinals. I, I think I don't think either way anybody, I mean, unless you're a fan of that team, I, I think you could argue for the other person as well. Yeah, and – I mean, with the Padres, I don't even know if they'd be in a playoff spot right now if Manny Machado wasn't playing the way he is because no this question. offense, there's been games where it's like, I mean, last night, Manny homered. That was their one run. He doesn't homer last night. They don't go to extra innings. And Musgrove pitched his butt off. A seven-inning shutout gave up one hit, and you're going to extra innings. Like, that's how valuable Manny's been this year. No um, moving to uh, Joe Musgrove. We just talked about him right there. Like, I was talking with Greg Amsinger at the Combine and Jake Peavy, and the, and Amsinger was saying, give him $30 million a year. Peavy was saying, give him whatever. He's, <laughs> you know, I'd give him whatever. That's what he's saying. And what would you do? What do you think the Padres need to be offering him on a per-year basis to have Musgrove say, I'll stay here? I know he's the hometown guy, but, for, you know, the latest offer was like $11 million a year, and now it's incentive or late in incentives. It's, it's like they got to increase this offer big time for Musgrove to think about staying and not testing free agency right well, now. Well, and he has every right to. I think every player should actually go to free agency. I think even if you have it in your mind that you're probably going to stay where you currently are, and he is a hometown kid, obviously the first no-hitter in Padres history. I mean, you couldn't have written it better. But I do think that he should test free agency just to see what his value really is out there. And, you know, I don't think teams, I don't think players should take hometown discounts. Um, I think there's 780 guys in the world that are good enough to make an opening day roster on day one of a major league baseball season. And you owe it to yourself and you owe it to the players coming up behind you to test free agency and see what your value is. I mean, Joe Musgrove right now, eight and two, a 209 earned run average, 99 innings pitched, 98 strikeouts and a 0.93 whip. I mean, he has had a tremendous year and I love to see it for him and I love to see it for the Padres, honestly, because it's nice to have pitchers, um, other pitchers in the division in the conversation about being the best pitcher in the game. Um, You know, I don't know. AAV is hard for me. It's hard to do a high AAV for a pitcher for me because, you know, they do only only play every five days. They only pitch every five days for the most part. 
But I think it's important to recognize not only the value that he's had for that team, but also the fact he is from San Diego. Um, and I don't think he should take a hometown discount, but I don't think the team should expect him to either. So um, it's just a matter of, you know, what's the value to them? Uh, obviously, I would imagine, I mean, I don't know this for a fact, but I would imagine he'd love to, you know, finish his career as a Padre. Um, yep. That would probably make sense for him. But I, I do think that I think every player has the right to test free agency. I, I do think it it is important. Um, I don't know. I don't know what I would give him. I, it, that's hard for me to 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 put a put a number on. As much as he can get, <laughs> you know, I, I think he should go for as much as he can possibly get because you're only in this um, situation and good enough to be a major league baseball player for a very short amount of time. So make as much as you can as long as you can. Yep. And one guy the Padres signed in free agency, some fans uh, wish that didn't happen, was Eric Hosmer. Uh, $144 million, eight years. And now, since he's going to have 10 and 5 rights at the end of this season, if Padres don't trade him, he's probably going to be staying here. Uh, do you think that it would be worth it for the Padres to trade Hosmer before the deadline if that means that they have to part with prospect, top prospects, uh, and you know, eat a lot of his salary? Um, I think that would be, what's, what's the phrase? I'm like, I think it would look poorly upon the franchise. Um, it's yeah. not like Eric Hosmer's having a bad year, you know, uh, it, it's, he's having a, a decent year. I'm not saying he's living up to $144 million contract, but it also was very difficult for anybody to live up to some of these numbers now. I mean, if you want to break it down, what everyone's making, it's tough to live up to that. I mean, people want him hitting, you know, 400 home runs and driving in 500 people. And, you know, it's just difficult. I think um, if they're in it at the deadline to trade Eric Hosmer to me is, you know, I, I just don't, I don't think that looks good. So, um, you know, it's, it's difficult. It is a business and they're going to do what they feel is, is right for the team, but it's not like he's having a, a horrendous year and, and to, to jeopardize the future, um, to trade a guy like that, uh, I don't. I just. Don't, I don't see it being worth it. It's not like he's a massive liability. Yeah. Okay. On a what I would say. Yeah. What I would say to that is he's being whatever. more. He's a. He's. He's a liability. I think on defense. Uh, and we've seen Bob Melvin take him out last night. We saw him take him out. It's been multiple times in the Dodgers series. Took him out um, and put Cronenworth at first and put an infielder at second just because. He has been a liability defensively, scooping balls, throwing to wrong bases, not catching pop-ups and let it fall on the mound. Uh, stuff like that, that's where fans, I think, are frustrated. And where you talk about, you know, the fans' high expectations of him, you know, offensively and all the home runs and all that. I think what Padre fans are asking is for him to have a little more power. Like in Kansas, I know he's not in his prime anymore, but in Kansas City, you know, he had like 25 home runs, 22 home runs. Or 22 home runs his first year with the Padres. Sure, I think you have, you have just to understand want him, he's also, just do that. He's also 32 years old now. I mean, it's different. He's He was drafted in 2008 by the Royals. Um, like people get older. Like you're not, you're yeah. not playing, you're not going to be able to play at your, you know, physical capabilities at 32 like you could when you were 22. It's just, it's just not feasible. I mean, but it's not like he's had, again, he has six home runs. He's driven in 33. He has 77 hits. He has a 273 average. It's not like he's hitting 173. You know, he has a, a 329 OBP and a 716 OPS. So the OPS isn't great, but you know, he's not, 
I just, you know, maybe get him off his legs, get him off his feet, have him as a DH sometimes over, you know, I don't know. I think Bob Melvin is really, really one of the best at, at getting the most out of his players. I mean, you saw what he had to work with in Oakland in terms of salary and ballpark mm -hmm. and all of that stuff. Um, I don't know. I'm a Hosmer fan. So it's hard. I understand when you, you bring it down by the numbers, but I just don't see. And again, he has that that veteran presence, the postseason experience. I mean, I don't know that you can necessarily put a value on the other stuff, you know, that that he brings to the table. Yeah. And it's interesting. Like you talk about his age and all that. And I think Paul is Paul Goldschmidt like 34. Like I do believe that that Goldie a couple of years older. Yes. I thought he was younger. It feels like because he signed his contract obviously later than Hosmer or the extension with St. Louis but he's producing obviously at an MVP level we don't want I, I, at least from my point of view I'm not asking him to produce at an MVP level I'm just asking him to produce consistently throughout the year instead of being a 390 hitter in April and then not doing really much of anything in comparison to that the rest of the year yeah, I'm sure Eric Hosmer would love for that to happen as well. I mean, I, I just right. I don't think that any of these guys are I don't think anyone's harder on them than they are themselves. And and mm -hmm. to your question, Paul Goldschmidt's 34. And yeah, he has a 342 average right now, 427 OBP, and he has an OPS over one. So, yeah, I get it. I mean, Paul Goldschmidt right now is playing out of his mind. Um, you know, he's a six time, oh, seven time all-star, I believe. So Goldie's having a, a very, um, a very special year. And, you know, would we all love to have nine Goldschmidt's on our team for sure, but that's not realistic. And, you know, I guarantee you that Eric Cosmer would, would love to be having that type of season too. I just don't see him as being like this. He's not a cancer in the clubhouse. You know, he's a veteran leader. Um, you know, and, and, he he does know what it takes to, to win as well. And I think for that, um, there is some value in that that can't be quantified in, in the box score. Yeah. Mm -hmm. All right, last one here. This has been great. Uh, what do you think of the Padres City Connect uniforms? Um, you know, it's funny because I, I don't know. I'm not real huge fan. And to be honest, and before I get like ripped on Twitter, I don't like the Dodgers City Connect uniforms. So yeah. calm down, Padres fans. I loved the video. I loved the video okay. with... I think it was Machado uh, and Tatis and Musgrove, right? I'm pretty sure yep. it was those three guys. Yep. And the Santana music was incredible. I love that they had Tony Hawk in that. I love San Diego. It's one of my favorite cities. Uh, so the video and the music and the guys and the old cars and all of that stuff and the food scene, loved it. The jerseys and the uniforms, I, I don't know. I think the best one so far out of all of the ones that have come out so far I think Boston is number one. I loved how simple it was. And then the colors with the Boston Marathon. I really like mm -hmm. that tie-in in the 617, their area code on the sleeve. I love that. I love Milwaukee's. I think Milwaukee's yeah. great. Um, I like the White Sox ones a lot. I think those are pretty sick. Um, I'm not a huge fan of the Dodgers ones. I don't, I mean, the Padres ones are whatever. Um, Giants ones, whatever. So the NL West is so far um, on the, on the city connect jerseys, but I think Boston and Milwaukee have been pretty sweet. Yeah. All right. This has been great. Episode 195 of the Talking Friars podcast and YouTube show. Ben Fadden with Alana Rizzo. Alana, thank you so much for doing this. You're very welcome, Ben. You take care. All right, everyone. Enjoy the day. Blake Snell on the mound today for the debut of the City Connect uniforms. Everyone, go Padres. See you at the game if you're going. And have a good one.